Okay, so there's one question uh, that I have so far on the, on the docket, and then we can open it up to any questions that may be in the room. And so, turning your Bibles to 1 John 5.18. 1 John 5.18. First John 5.18 says this. Now, I'm going to read it from the question itself because they actually gave two uh, translations that differ slightly, which brings up the question. So here's the, the NASB. Uh, we know that no one who has been sins, but he who was born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. And then the uh, New King James Version says this, We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. So here's the question. What does it mean that he keeps himself? You all heard that in the New King James, right? Uh, he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. Does this have something to do with the sin not leading to death mentioned before those verses. And I posted two versions because one seems to say Jesus keeps us and the other says we keep ourselves. Now, what I did, well, first, do you understand the question? Here is um, the NAS, 1 John 5.18, that says he who was born of God keeps him. And the New King James Version says he who has been born of God keeps himself. One seems to say that it is this one who has been born of God who keeps him, and the other one seems to indicate, well, no, you as the Christian keep yourself. What is this saying? So what I did was I looked at, what do I have, 27 different Bible translations from the NIV, the NLT, the ESV, um, on and on, some you may have never heard of before, like the Aramaic Bible in plain English. And every single one of them, except for the King James and the New King James, renders it this way, the way our ESV does. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. So... The verse, the, 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 the Greek word that's used here for the one who has been born of God, uh, it's actually the word for begotten. And y'all have heard this term before, right? That, that God loved this world so much that he sent his only, what? Begotten son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Or Psalm 2, uh, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And so the word begotten doesn't mean created. It doesn't mean, um, you know, the way that it means for us of being born. It means actually to be brought forth. So the, the, the Greek actually does mean that this is not the Christian who keeps himself, but it is the one who has been born of God, the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God, Christ himself is the one who 
keeps the Christian. And because it is the Savior who keeps the Christian, the evil one does not touch him. And we're going to explain what that means, but it's important that we understand who this is talking about. So does that mean that the King James and the New King James is, a, is an unreliable translation? No, it doesn't mean that. And what you find is, if you look at the commentators, what, what they did is, when they get to that, they say, actually, it's rendered, um, he who is begotten, or he who has been born of God, keeps him. That's how even the translators, before there was the ESV and the NAS and all that, saw it, because they looked at the actual language, and that's what it means. Um, and so that's what we need to understand here. He keeps you. You do not keep yourself. Now, let's look at some other verses that, that uh, prove this point or actually proclaim this truth. And they're all found in the book of John. So, John six thirty nine. Actually, we'll start with verse 38 just to get the, the flow of this statement. John six thirty-eight and 39. Jesus says, for I have come down from heaven. Now, again, for him to come down from heaven points to the fact that he existed before the world was created. He did not come into existence when Mary gave birth. Jesus came from heaven. He existed with the Father before the foundation of the world because he is the second person of the Trinity. He is the Son of God. He says, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. The will of the Lord is that Jesus will not lose a single one for whom he died. Now, Christian, this is great comfort to you that you are not the one who keeps yourself in the hand of God. God keeps you. This is the will of God, and we know that God's will will be accomplished. John 10, 28. Again, start with 27. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. How do you know if you are one of God's sheep? You follow him. When he speaks, you do what Christ says because you are the sheep and he is the shepherd. He says, I give them eternal life. Again, this points to the, 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 the deity of Christ. Only God can give eternal life. Eternal life is not ours to give. No angel can give eternal life. No human being can give eternal life. We can proclaim eternal life, but only God can give it. Here is Christ proclaiming who he really is. He is the good shepherd. He gives eternal life. And those he gives eternal life to, what does it say? And they will, what? Never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. 
My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. We are in the hand of Christ. We are in the hand of the Father. We are being kept by the Spirit. This is the work of God. Your salvation, you being kept in Christ, is not dependent upon your power. It is dependent upon the power of the God who made the universe by speaking. It is dependent upon the God who created all, who has all might, all strength, all power. You are not the one responsible to keep yourself in Christ. That's his work. That's his right. And it's his promise that we have here. John seventeen twelve. Again, the, the point of 1 John five eighteen is this beautiful fact that it is Christ who keeps you. Christ who holds you. John 17, 12. He says, while I was with them, I kept them in your name. You see that. I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction. Who's that son of destruction? Judas. I've lost none of them except him. And why did that one fall away? That the scripture might be fulfilled. It was prophesied. It was written. This was foretold. This, is the, this was the destiny of Judas. But all those whom have been given. Again, get the beauty of this. Here is the father giving a gift to his son. And what is the gift? The church. A bride. Believers. You go to a wedding. Why is it that the father walks the bride down the aisle to give it to the groom? Because this truth right here, that the father gives the bride to his son, to the son, and all that God has given will never perish, will never be lost. Why? Not because we're so strong and we have this power to keep ourselves, because we are guarded by the Holy Trinity himself. We are being kept and held and protected and guarded by God's power. That's why you haven't fallen away when everyone else that you know has. That's why you still cling to Christ because he clings to you. He holds on to you. He keeps you. And John seventeen fifteen. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. The verse, we know that everyone who has been born of God, and as the ESV renders it because that's the flow of the Greek, it's not that you never sin. In fact, the book of 1 John says, if we say we have no sin, what are we? We're liars, and the truth does not remain in us. The fact of the matter is we are all sinners, and even as a Christian, First John addresses that. My little children, I write these things to you so that you do not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have what? We have an advocate with the Father. And who is this? Jesus Christ, the righteous, who is the propitiation for our sin. Propitiation, meaning that God's anger, his fury for all that you as a Christian have done in your life, all the sin and rebellion, the rejection of him, that makes God very angry. And rather than crushing you, he, ex- he exhausts, he spins, he, he j- 
squeezes the, 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 the sponge of his wrath dry. There's no more anger. He poured it all upon his son. Jesus Christ is our propitiation. He satisfied God's anger in our place. So the, the, the book of 1 John addresses the fact that we do have sin. And even as a Christian, we still do sin. And that's why we have an advocate who's continuing to pray for us. So 1 John 5 is not saying that there is no sin. It's saying that the Christian, the child of God, the one who has truly been born again, does not continue in a lifestyle of sin. The child of God does not continue to chase after the things of the world. The child of God may fall and stumble. The righteous man falls seven times but gets back up. Why does he get back up? Because God is the one who's keeping him. Because God is his father and the father. Father disciplines his children that he loves, just as a father chastises the son in whom he is delighted. So this is what is being communicated here, this great promise that God, the son, keeps his bride. Isn't that what we sing in that, that, that hymn, He will hold me fast, I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path, for my love is what? Often cold. He must hold me fast. That's, that's the joy. If your salvation depended on your grip to him, we would have let go a long time ago. He is holding you, and that is why you remain. And no one is stronger than our God. No one can snatch anything out of his hand. He is the king. Jude one twenty four also communicates this, this beautiful benediction, this beautiful farewell as Jude is concluding his letter. Now to him who is able to do what? To keep you from stumbling. That stumbling is the stumble of destruction. Christian stumble. As I said, the righteous man stumbles and falls but gets back up. This is the falling away to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Who is the one who does this? Who is the one who is able? To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. So it is the Son of God who keeps you. You don't continue in sin because you've been born of God. You can't keep on. And it's true, right, Christians? You know this is true. You know, maybe, maybe, have you ever wanted to stay mad at somebody? Like you were upset and you wanted to stay mad and maybe you're trying to rehearse the thing that they did. But the spirit of God is just convicting you and you just have no peace and you can't. And you're just broken down where you have to go to that person and apologize. You have to repent. You have to confess. You can't keep it in. Why? Because God's seed abides in you. He won't allow you to continue to do that. You have a new nature. You're different. You're changed. You're transformed. 
You have been born again. The spirit of God has given you a new heart and a new mind and new affections. Yes, we're still in the world. And yes, we still battle and we fight and we wage war. But we are different. We cannot enjoy our sin as we did when we were lost. So what is this about the evil one can't touch him? That's not how it uh, does not touch him. And you say, wait a minute. Job was touched pretty severely by the evil one, wasn't he? What about Peter? Satan desired to sift you like wheat, but I prayed for you. Peter was touched. Jesus himself was tempted and harassed by the evil one. And Christian, you know your own experience that the evil one has not left you alone, has he? Uh, so what does this mean that the evil one does not touch him? Well, again, it's helpful to, to get the full context um, by looking at the original language. That the word for touch him means possess, uh, destroy, take Again, we're talking about the Christ is keeping you and the evil one would seek to snatch you away, to have you, to destroy you. But he's not able. Oh, he will attack and he will tempt and he will accuse and he will whisper and he will seek to do all manner of things to lie to you and to deceive you. But all of his work will only go so far because you are being kept by the power of the Holy, Holy, Holy Trinity Himself. So the evil one cannot take you away. Now, saying all that, it's important that I say this. Okay, your salvation is of God. He's the one who redeemed you and He's the one who keeps you. But does this mean that you have no responsibility as the Christian? No. In fact, the Bible says much about the responsibility of the one who's being kept to keep themselves. So let's look at some examples of this. Galatians 5.25 Galatians 5.25. And and the thing I want you to pay attention to about all these verses is who the responsibility is being given to. It's not this mindset of God's going to keep me, so no matter what I do, I'm just going to be kept. Here, the responsibility being pushed into the lap of the child of God. Galatians 5.25. If we live by the Spirit... Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Here, the child of God is commanded to keep in step with the Spirit. The spirit you know, think of uh, soldiers, right? Formation. And you're supposed to be marching left, right, left, in step. And it's very noticeable when everyone is marching in step and one guy is going right, left, right, left, right? It's off. 
Here we are being told, Christian, you are being told, the Spirit of God is moving, He is going, He is leading, He's directing, He is headed towards holiness, the highway of holiness. And you, as the child of God, who are being kept in the power of the Spirit and being protected from the devouring teeth of the enemy, you are commanded to keep in step with the Spirit. What is the Spirit doing? Where is the Spirit leading? What is the spirit about? That's where I'm going. That's what I'm about. That's what I'm doing. Or how about this one? Still in Galatians. Galatians 6.1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. It is sad that this is often not the case in many churches. A Christian falls And that man or that woman or that child may be attacked, may be uh, gossiped about, may be banished. But restoring them in a spirit of gentleness is the command here. But notice, again, the responsibility. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Here's a responsibility. You see somebody fall. They do something that you think, I'll never do that. Or I can't believe they did that. Or that's so tragic that they did that. And indeed, it is tragic. And we should not want to follow in that way. And we want to be terrified of such an end. But yet we say, I need to keep watch on my own self. Right? I I don't need to just be... um, a fruit inspector for others. Now, let me examine. You know, you go to a supermarket. Is this a good apple? Oh, there's some mold here. Is a bruise here? You're fruit inspectors. Well, we're not just supposed to be fruit inspectors for other Christians. You know, oh, are you really a Christian? Are you really saved? Let me listen to how you talk and let me examine your life and your prayer. And when are you doing this and when are you doing that? Well, the, the Bible says here that you not only need to be helping those who have fallen, but you need to keep watch on your own self. Because that thing that happened to them, that thing that they were deceived into believing, falling into, is the exact same thing that could happen to you and me. So keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So we're told to keep in step with the Spirit. We're told to keep watch on ourselves. Uh, Ephesians 6.18. Here is this, uh, the conclusion of, you know, children's, well, one, one, oh, one of children's favorite passages, the armor of God. Right? They got the, the Roman armor, and maybe Jason will do something with that, come in here in a full uh, knight's armor maybe one day. Um, But here's the conclusion of it. Ephesians 6.18. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. What does it say? Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Keep alert. Stay awake. Be on guard. I mean, if, 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 if you were aware that enemies were coming, that thieves were coming to break into your home this very night, you would be sitting in a rocking chair on the porch with a shotgun, right? You, you'd be ready for them. You'd be watching. You'd be keeping alert. Any uh, headlights that came up, is that them? Is that them? Why? Because you have been warned. Someone is coming to take from you. Someone is coming to harm you. Someone wants to do damage to your family. And so you need to be alert. You need to be aware. And here you're being told, Christian, that the enemy that you wrestle against is, is, is in possession of cosmic powers. This is the same enemy when 
he asked if he could do harm to Job, was able to cause a wind to knock down the house and kill all ten of Job's children. This is the same enemy who was able to cause an entire uh, band to raid, I mean, to manipulate the mind. This is a powerful foe, and you don't have the power in yourself to do anything against him, and so you're being told to cling to Christ, to... We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You're not being told to be strong in your own power. You're being told to be strong in the power of his might and to keep alert, to keep watch, to stay awake. We can't fall asleep at the wheel when there's roaring lions about. First Timothy 4.16. Keep a close watch on yourself. And on the teaching, persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. Here's a responsibility. Keep a close watch on yourself, meaning what? Your life. Keep a close watch. Uh, Six children, sometimes uh, my wife and I, we would ask people to babysit our children, right? And when a child is really small, they just kind of sit there, right, in their little, little chair. They can't really move. But once they start crawling, keep close watch because you turn your head for a second. It's like, where did they go? So we would have to tell people, hey, you're going to watch our children. Keep a clo- This one, they'll be all over the place. Keep a close watch on your life. Keep a close watch your on your behavior, on your motives, on your thoughts, on your words, on your actions. Don't let yourself just coast. This is important. Again, this is the same thing that's being said to those who are being kept by Christ, those who are being protected from the evil one, those who have the promises of God that he is able to bring you before the throne of God blameless on that day and keep you from stumbling. That does not mean that there is no responsibility on you or me. There is. And you're being told to keep a close watch on your life, but not just your life, your teaching. Is your doctrine pure? Is it sound? Is it biblical? The things that you believe, the, the, the preachers that you're listening to, are, are they in accord with the Word of God? The things that you're reading and believing and, and confessing, are these things that are biblical? The Bible says to the child of God, keep a close watch on yourself and the teaching. For by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. Y'all know the story of the Pied Piper, right? That this musician who wanted to have the townspeople do certain things for him and, and he would always take the rats out by playing his pipe and the rats would follow him out into the sea and he wanted to be paid for this and the people of the town said we're not paying you a dime and so the Pied Piper said okay I'll play a different tune and his tune caused all the children to be under his trance and follow him and never be seen again 
This world is like the Pied Piper. The devil plays his pipe and so many people are under his trance, falling asleep, not being sober-minded, not realizing that eternity is just a breath away. A breath away. There was a student at my school who died tragically. uh, An eighth grader. I was talking to a friend of mine at work and he told me, He was talking to his friend at church and his friend said, hey, I'm going to do this this week. I got this plan. And he said he died the very next day. The point of the matter is you don't know when your last moment will be. You don't know when your last day on earth will be. And the Bible tells you, commands you, be sober. Are you living for eternity? Are you living for the moment? Are you thinking about the day of judgment? Are you thinking that Christ can return? And when he does, will you be ashamed? What will you be caught doing when he comes? Be sober. Time is short. Eternity is forever. Christ is worthy. The word of God is sufficient. God is holy. And he has sent his son and his son shed his blood. And isn't he worth living for? This is being sober. James 1.27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. Some people say, uh, you know, I hate religion, but I have a relationship or something like that. Well, look, the Bible doesn't say that religion is bad. False religion is bad. James 1.27 says religion, that's what they say, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. I've said that before. Well, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and notice, to keep oneself unstained from the world. Who is the responsibility being given to to be unstained from the world? To the person, to the reader, to the believer. The world is trying to put stains upon you. Your white garment, the righteousness of Christ. And here's the world seeking to stain you with its influence. Come over here. Remember back in the day when you used to do this and do that? Wasn't it better? Wasn't remember Egypt, the garlic and the leeks and the melon and the onion? Remember back then? Don't remember the slavery, but remember the food. I mean, that's basically what the world is constantly telling you. Remember how good you had it. Remember how peaceful it was. You didn't have to worry about this and that and It was easy because the way that leads to destruction is easy. And there are many on that road. The way that leads to life is hard and there are few who find it. Keep yourself unstained, unspotted, untainted from the world. You're holy people. Holy means set apart. You're different. You're distinct. Anybody ever grow up in a house that uh, your parents had like china or like those special dishes, right? Those special dishes, maybe they never got used, but maybe they would only be used once a year. Maybe it was Thanksgiving, right? You, you, you would not take that china and use it when y'all just have pizza. It would not go well for you, right? There, there, there would be rods applied to backs, Because that's set apart for special use. 
Christian, you have been set apart for the master's use. You're not a paper plate and a paper cup. You are his fine china that he set apart only to have the precious meals of Christ put upon you. You were made for holy things. That's why he saved you. That's why he redeemed you. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, called to be holy. 1 Peter 2.12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. What is your conduct like among the Gentiles? Gentiles meaning the lost. The people who work around you, who are not children of God, who are not born again, who have not been forgiven, whose name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, who will not be ready if he came right now. Those people in your life, people you work with, family members, neighbors, you name it, the, the conduct of your life among those people, is it honorable? Can they look at your life and say, you remind me of Jesus. I don't know much about him, but when I look at your life, I look at how you live, I see Christ. It's honorable. Well, I trust at this point, the point has been made clear enough. 1 John 5.18, it is Christ who keeps us, not ourself. It is He that protects us from being snatched away by the evil one. And yet, there is a heavy responsibility on every Christian as God is working in you to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you. Any questions about any of that? So great. Oh, yes. So work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. So you're not working for your salvation. That would be wrong. That's not how we're saved. We're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. And all those whom he saves will live a life that looks like they've been saved. So that's why Paul says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Um, Meaning, since God has given you a new heart, he's given you a new life, he's given you a new mind, you've been born again, you've been made alive, live like it. Which again is not perfection. Any, anyone who claims perfection, First John says, you're a liar. <laughs> right? We're not going to reach perfection, not in this life. But we have a purposeful intention every day to strive for perfection. We want to strive to love God as he deserves to be loved. I'm going to fail. I know it. But that's my aim every day. Um, and I'm going to strive every day to love my neighbor as Christ has loved me. That's the goal. But no, yeah, if, if in any way I communicate that you need to work for your salvation, then 
make sure that's cleared up. We don't work for our salvation. But if we have been saved, we will work. Oh, I guess Ephesians 2 would be the best place to... Verse 8 through 10. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we're saved by grace, and he has saved us so that we will walk in these good works that he's already prepared beforehand for us. And so we got to make sure we keep it balanced. So, you know, we, he- we lean too heavy on this side. We become legalists and try to make people be saved by keeping laws and commandments. We lean too much on this side. We say, no, God has done everything. You don't have to do anything. And then we go to lawlessness where that is just as dangerous as legalism. So we got to keep in the balance And thank you for making sure that was clarified. We're saved by grace. Therefore, we walk according to the power of God that's been given to us. Is that helpful? Thank you. It's important to clear that up. Any other questions? So, enough there to encourage you, right? God's going to keep you. What The good work that he has begun in you, he will bring it to completion. There's a promise. He's going to do it. He's going to keep you. And enough to keep you trembling <laughs> in need of his help because there's great responsibility on us. And that's the beauty of God's wisdom and salvation. Okay. Well, if there's no other questions, let's pray. Father, thank you that you keep us because we could never keep ourselves. Lord, thank you that you holding on to us is not dependent, it's not because we're so lovely or we're so faithful. Lord, we've given you so many reasons to throw us away. And yet your hold remains because your word is true. Father, if it is true that we have been saved, we have been born again, we have been put into your holy hands to be kept, then Lord, may our lives show it and prove it and reflect it. May we walk even more carefully, mindful of these verses that have been brought before us this morning. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.